One Sunday afternoon in Advent, it was bitter cold, so I went to the kitchen. I love the kitchen with its warm light and pleasant smells. Dorothy and Agnes were there, cleaning up after lunch. If you want to go to church, Agnes, then go. I can finish up here. Really, ma'am? Oh, thank you. Maybe Hester would like to go with you. Hester, would you like to go to church with me today? With winter coming on so fast, I thought it time to spend some time in the house of my Lord and Savior. It may be a while before I got a chance to go again, so I said yes. You go. I'll tend to Rosie. So Agnes and I dressed up warm and set off briskly. The sky hung heavy and black over the white earth, as if the night had never fully gone away, and the air, though still, was very biting and keen. We shall have a fall of snow, I think. I think even during the service. While we sat in church, the snow kept coming down thick in great large flakes, so thick that it almost darkened the windows. It stopped just before we came out. The snow lay soft, thick, and deep beneath our feet as we tramped home. Before we got to the manor hall, the moon rose, and I thought it lighter now, what with the moon and the white dazzling snow, than when we had left for the church. I went right away to see Dorothy in the kitchen and asked after Miss Rosamond. I left her in the drawing room with the missus. She should still be there. Leave those boots by the door, if you please. I took off my boots and went to the drawing room. I curtsied, then looked around for Rosie, but could not see her. Miss Furnival was sitting quite still, staring into the fire, looking as if nothing so bright and merry as Miss Rosamond had ever been near her. I've come to fetch my little Rosie Posy. What did she say? Miss Rosamond is not here. She went away more than an hour ago to find Dorothy. My heart sank at this, and I began to wish I had never left my darling. I ran back to Dorothy to tell her. Oh dear, James is out for the day. Agnes, take the light. Hester, you take the other one. And let's all go looking, shall we? We roamed all over the large house, calling and entreating Miss Rosamond to come out of her hiding place and not frighten us to death in this way. But there was no answer. No sound. Can she have gone to the east wing and hidden there? It's not possible. I myself have never even been in there. That door is always locked, and neither James nor I have the key. I ran back to the west drawing room and asked for leave to look about all the furniture there, for I thought she might have fallen asleep in some warm hidden corner. But no, we looked and did not find her. Even Miss Furnival got up and looked. The child. She was trembling all over. Now, Grace, I'm I'm sure the child will be found. Miss Furnival was shaking and shivering so much that Miss Stark took her back to the warm drawing room. Hester, go find her and bring her to us as soon as you find her. I will, ma'am. I began to think she would never be found, when I bethought me to look into the great front court, all covered with snow. I was upstairs when I looked out, but it was such clear moonlight I could see, quite plain, two little footprints, which might be traced from the hall door and round the corner of the east wing. I don't know how I got down, but I tugged open the great stiff hall door, and throwing the skirt of my gown over my head for a cloak, I ran out. I turned the east corner, and then... A black shadow fell on the snow, but when I came again into the moonlight, 
there were little footmarks going up to the fells. It was bitter cold, so cold that the air almost took the skin off my face as I ran, but I ran crying to think how my poor little darling must be perished and frightened. I was within sight of the holly trees when I saw a shepherd coming down the hill, bearing something in his arms wrapped in his cloak. Oh there, have you lost a bear? Oh no, dear God, Rosie! She's all right, she's all right, just very cold. She was lying still and white and stiff and cold in that terrible sleep that is frost begotten. I've been gathering my sheep before the night falls and I found her under one of the holly trees. Give her to me. She'll be all right, I think, miss. Thank you. Oh, the joy and the tears of having her in my arms once again. I would not let him carry her, but took her cloak and all into my own arms and held her near my own warm neck and heart and felt the life stealing slowly back again into her little gentle limbs. But she was still insensible when we reached the hall, and I had no breath for speech. We went in by the kitchen door. Oh, dear God! Rosie! Bring me the warming pan! I carried her upstairs and began undressing her by the nursery fire, my eyes blinded by my tears. Oh, my lamb, what were you doing? Oh, Rosie. And at last she began to open her large blue eyes. I put her into a warm bed. Please, go tell Miss Furnival that all is well. Indeed. I made up my mind to sit by my darling's bedside the live long night. She fell into a deep sleep as soon as her pretty head touched the pillow, and I watched her till morning light when she wakened up bright and clear, Or so I thought. Eat your breakfast, Rosie. Then we must go visit Miss Furnival and Mrs. Stark. I knew the two ladies would be angry at me for going to church and leaving young Rosie. But it was in their charge I left her. It's they who are to blame for letting her steal away. You gave us a bad fright last night, Rosie. You were supposed to stay in the drawing room. But the ladies were sleeping. I wanted to go see Dorothy. Fine, but why did you go outside? I was in the lobby and I saw the snow. It was so pretty. And I saw a little girl standing by the door. She was so pretty, Hester. And she took my hand and we went outside. Now, Rosamond, you're telling stories. I'm telling the truth! I knew my dear Rosie would not make up such things, but I pressed on. What would your good mother that is in heaven and never told a story in her life say to her dear little Rosamond if she heard her, and I dare say she does, telling such stories? But I'm not telling stories. I'm telling you true. I am. I tracked you down by your footmarks through the snow. There was only yours to be seen. And if you had a little girl to go hand in hand with up the hill... Don't you think her footprints would have gone along with yours? I can't help it if they did not. I never looked at her feet, but she held my hand. It was very, very cold. She took me up the fell path, up to the holly trees. And there I saw a lady crying. But when she saw me, she hushed her weeping and smiled and took me on her knee and began to lull me to sleep. And that's all, Hester. That is all. And my dear mamma knows it is. I thought the child was in a fever and pretended to believe her as she went over her story. Over and over again, and always the same. And when we went as summoned to the old woman, I went in boldly and told my story. 
But when I came to the mention of the little girl out in the snow, coaxing and tempting her out, and willing her up to the grand and beautiful lady by the holly tree, Miss Furnival threw her arms up, her old and withered arms, and cried, Oh, heaven forgive! Have mercy! Now, Grace, the child is safe. But she was past Mrs. Stark's management. Oh, have mercy! Wilt thou never forgive? It is many a long year ago. Esther, keep her from that child. It will lure her to her death, that evil child. Please, tell her it is a wicked, naughty child. Then Mrs. Stark heard me out of the room. I was very uneasy in my mind after that, and I durst never leave Miss Rosamond night or day for fear lest she might slip off again after some fancy or other, and all the more because I thought I could make out that Miss Furnival was crazy, and I was afraid lest something of the same kind which might be in the family, hung over my darling. And the great frost never ceased all the time, and whenever it was stormy, between the gusts and through the wind, we heard the old lord playing the organ. But old lord or not, wherever Miss Rosamond went, there I followed, for my love for her, pretty helpless orphan, was stronger than my fear for the grand and terrible sound. One afternoon, not long before Christmas Day, we were playing together in the great hall, and it was dusk indoors. Though it was still light in the open air, and I was thinking of taking her back into the nursery, when all of a sudden she cried out, Look, Hester, there's my poor little girl out in the snow. I turned toward the long, narrow windows, and there, sure enough, I saw a little girl, dressed all unfit to be outdoors on such a bitter night, crying and beating against the window panes as if she wanted to be let in. Let her in! My dear Rosamond flew to the door to open it. We have to let her in. She's cold. I caught her before she could open it and carried her away, kicking and screaming into the large, bright kitchen where Agnes and Dorothy were busy with their mince pies. What is the matter with my sweet one? She won't let me open the door for my little girl to come in. I saw Dorothy had a look of ghastly terror on her face. She'll die if she's out there all night. Agnes shut the back kitchen door fast and bolted well. Here, child, look. Raisins and almonds. Have some. No! Not unless my little girl can have some, too. She looks so hungry. I took her upstairs and was thankful when she cried herself to sleep in bed. Then I stole down to the kitchen to see Dorothy. I've made up my mind. I will carry Rosamond back to my father's house in Applethwaite. We may live humbly there, but at least we will be at peace. Now, Hester... I've seen it myself, Dorothy, the child, out in the snow moaning, yet without any sound or noise, and with a dark wound on her right shoulder. I saw Dorothy change color once or twice. This is no neighborhood child. Miss Rosamond knew it as the phantom that nearly lured her to her death. I know, I know. But listen, I do not think you can take Rosie with you, for she is our Lord's ward, and you have no right over her. And would you leave the child you are so fond of just for sounds and sights that can do you no harm? We've all had to get used to these in our turn. It's all very well for you to talk. You know what all these sights and sounds mean. Maybe you knew the child when it was alive. No, I did not. It was all long before my time here. Then tell me, Dorothy, I need to know. If you all expect us to stay here, then we need to know. And I taunted her so until she told me all she knew at last. 
and I wish I had never been told, for it only made me more afraid than ever. Tune in next Sunday for the conclusion of The Nurse's Tale.